Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined as ever by Jake McGee and Dave Somerville. How are we doing today, guys? Hired. Uh, shattered. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long weekend. It's We are, you know, well, well I, actually, I see that. Myself and Jake should be quite tired after quite a long weekend. Uh, you know, Ian, I think you might have a little bit tired. Ah, here on. we go. Here yeah. we go. I knew this was going to happen. So on draft night, Thursday night, Friday morning, I should say, um, I had all intentions of staying up right through the first round of the draft. And it didn't quite work out that way because I was literally falling asleep by... Half past ten at night. Never mind trying to stay up till three in the morning, four in the morning. I did my I did my best. I gave it the old college try. Uh, forgive the pun there. And by I think it was pick twenty two. I was just flagging seriously flagging by pick twenty two. So um, I did not see the entire first round. I I had to go to bed. I missed the last. Yeah, I think it was the last nine picks. I think I missed uh, our last. I think you're picks. being chin- uh, you, you tried to leave us at pick ten, and then it all went a bit. I, I wanted. Uh, to, I was going to. In. I was falling asleep at pick ten, but then uh, trades started happening. I was like, I can't. I can't go to bed while the trades are on. And I was. I was writing down my notes, and I was like, I can't do this. And then because of the trades, I was trying to figure out who was going where, and I was just absolutely blown away by some of the the trades and some of the picks. Some of which were head scratchers, and some of which were absolutely inspired. So we <laughs> we're going to be talking about the draft in full. Uh, but my question was, how are we today, gentlemen? Before Dave immediately leapt to you know trying to cut me off there, uh, Jake, how are you doing? I'm good. I've got my, my sleeping pattern back to normal somewhat, so can't complain. And Dave, are you actually doing all right? You're just taking out your tiredness on me. Is that what it is? No, just say it's uh, it's going to be an int- interesting show. Can't wait for us to get going. But uh, mutiny, you know, uh, mutiny. Oh, mutiny! <laughs> Shocking yeah. behaviour. So the the Dave and Jake podcast will be coming up very oh. shortly. So. Oh, this is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Make sure I'd never turn my back on you guys. Right. Okay. So uh, we've got uh, some news to do before we actually discuss the draft. We are going to cover the draft and we're going to discuss winners and losers from that. Uh, Coming up in today's show, we've also got Jake's Hot Takes. Uh, We've got Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. And of course, we absolutely have to deal with random stats. Uh, But we do have some news to talk about at the beginning. So Jake, would you like to take the lead in this? What's the latest news from around the NFL? Yeah, so after the draft, it's always uh, a good time to keep an eye on the free agency market. Um, the deadline for the conversationary uh, picks has passed, so if you sign a player now, it's not going to count towards um, another team getting those picks. Uh, the Saints, I think about one minute after the deadline, announced that they were signing Tyron Matthew, which I'm sure really did not uh, impress the Chiefs. Uh, that's down for a three-year, $33 million contract. Um, 18 million guaranteed. So that uh, Saints DB room is looking very, very nice considering we lost both our starting safeties. We've got Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, uh, Bradley Roby, um, Gardner Johnson, Marcus May, Honey Badger. I mean, oh, I cannot go without mentioning the best undrafted free agent name, Smoke Monday. I mean, 
Smoke man. <laughs> get him. Get, get him on the back of my shirt just for the name alone. That's, that's, that's pretty. If, if you did buy a shirt, we'd have smoke or Monday on the back. Just both. Just smoke. Bo- the just top, smoke Monday. Monday. The bottom. Absolutely. You gotta have that, don't you? Uh, it, it is a great name, and that's that's a formidable secondary. It really is. I know that Bradley Roby was quite underrated um, after he was traded the first time. Uh, I think I want to say it was to the Texans. Yes, when he, when he went to the Texans and he sort of underperformed or, or it appeared that he was underperforming. Bradley Roby is an absolutely solid cornerback. Um, and great in the slot. Oh, just he's, he's, he's rangy, he's quick, he's, uh, he's pretty tall for a corner. He's very good with his feet. Very, very good at this feed. You can change direction so quickly. And uh, Bradley Robey is just one of my one of my personal favourite players in the NFL. Um, and to get the Honey Badger, what a steal that was. Uh, and yeah, I think Chiefs fans might feel slightly aggrieved by that. Just sitting going, what just happened? It's like daylight robbery. Um, th- I think I'll, most Chiefs fans probably thought that Matthew was going to be coming back to Kansas City and all they had to do was work out a, a deal, work out a contract for him that was uh, going to suit him, suit the team. But the Saints came swooping in, took him, and all of a sudden, uh, what looked like a huge hole in, in the Saints is now one of the strongest uh, strongest uh, parts of the team in the secondary there. Yeah, I, I do slightly worry, though. Um, you know, I, I, I rate Tyron Matthew really highly. I, I think he's a fantastic player. Why? Yeah, no. He's he's already come out publicly and said what he would have accepted from the Chiefs. Now, what uh, what I'm almost confused about is that why the Chiefs thought that they had something better because everything I've seen, they haven't had something better. So something they haven't seen that's kind of you know behind the scenes, uh, maybe a little bit of a worry. But on field talent, it's his talent is not to be questioned whatsoever. So. I'm curious that I think there is like a kind of piece of the jigsaw missing here, uh, especially on the Chiefs side. But um, yeah, that's a, it's a big, big kind of snap for the for the Saints. It's it's brilliant. But yeah, I'm curious though. I think there is some sort of information missing there. I'd say. I, well, the Chiefs signed Justin Reed from the Texans, so, so I think around the same kind of thirty million mark. So that pretty much they re- replaced him, and then. For the most part, from what I could say, it was the Eagles or the Saints for, for Matthew. The Steelers were interested as well, but I mean, Matthew um, did a visit. He's you know from New Orleans, went to LSU. Mm-hmm. It, it made all sense, and then it was like, why aren't we signing him? And then it all became clear when we signed him, after, I think it was Monday after the, the deadline. The teams are always kind of playing chess in terms of signing people at a certain time or for certain money because it benefits future things, so... Mm-hmm. Just the process, I suppose. It, it, it was quite strange to me because I remember when the Saints signed Daniel Sorensen, people were mocking Saints fans. They were saying, oh, we got a chief safety. We got the honey badger. And they're like, no, you got Daniel Sorensen. They're like, oh, we didn't want Daniel Sorensen. We wanted the honey. And this was, you know, weeks ago when they signed Daniel Sorensen, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they that was got like one of the first waves. And then they got the honey badger. And I, I kind of, because the meme was Daniel Sorensen giving up big plays and Tyron Matthew throwing his hands up in the air. You know, every single time the Chiefs gave up a big touchdown it, you know, on the all 22 camera angles, you could see Tyron Matthew just throwing his hands up as Daniel Sorensen had been beaten again. I guess it can't be that because it's not like Matthew was blaming Sorensen for everything. I mean, he signed for the same team as him, so he's going to be playing with him again. 
The, yeah, I think that was more of a, a specials strange. team kind of signing. He, he is he is very good in special teams, and you guys know me. I love my special teams players. Absolutely love them. Um, he he is he's very effective in special teams. Uh, Tan Matthew, great signing for the Saints. That's going to be a big big sign. That might be the biggest signing d- defensive signing in in the division this year. I think. Well, the- yeah, was well, the Saints weren't the only team in the NFC South making moves. The Falcons extended uh, Grady Jarrett, the defensive tackle. Mm. Um, so he got three more years, up to fifty-one million, uh, thirty-four and a half million fully guaranteed. Um, so they're obviously in, in a rebuild and a kind of transition period. But keeping a core member of that defense is a, a very smart thing to do. I, I don't think anybody can really uh, be unhappy with that from from a Falcons perspective. No, not at all. It's a, it, that's a big contract. Oh, yeah. He's but, a I big mean, man. He, he's a big man. He is. Uh, it's not often you see defensive tackles getting paid that kind of money. Do you know what? It show, It just shows how players like Ndomukhan Sue and Aidan Donald have essentially changed the position. Because pr- prior to you know someone like Ndomukhan Sue being in the league, defensive tackles weren't, they were just considered big men to stop the run. That that's all they were. They were never really looked at as being these disruptive, you know, players on every play, whether it's run or pass. And uh, I, I don't want to say it started with Sue. Obviously, there has been some incredible defensive tackles before him. But it was this, the first sort of big name, high profile guy in, in quite a few years who was just, you know, going and getting up into quarterbacks' faces seemingly on every play. And then, of, of course, uh, Aiden Donald comes along and just changes the game forever. Teams are reevaluating certain positions that they may not have looked at before in the same way that you have um, certain offensive linemen being reevaluated. It's always been about the left tackle. Oh, look at the offensive line, always been with the left tackle. And then all of a sudden, guards seem to be getting more and more important. Uh, probably due to that guy in Indianapolis. What's his name? Who's oh, Quentin Nelson. Quentin yeah, Nelson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, prior to that, you look at offensive line guards. There's not many big names, you know, as a guard. There was plenty of famous centers and famous left tackles, but not really much. But then Quentin Nelson comes in and all of a sudden appears to be like the best offensive lineman in the entire league by quite some margin. And now guards are getting a bit of love. So I like to see it. I like to see sort of these almost like forgotten positions getting a bit of, a bit more love recently and a bit bigger contract. I love it. I think it's great. With the, the guards, I think back in the day it was left tackle and centre because everyone was, you know, five-step drop, seven-step drop, you know. Yeah. Now true. players st- stepping up in the, the pocket and, and all sorts. And, and Brady, it's kind of a, a, a cliche in terms of he doesn't like pressure up the middle. So... The um, books and the, the Patriots beforehand were always getting, you know, very good guards and paying their guards because that's the way he doesn't want the pressure. So, it, yeah, like you say, it's amazing how just over time the game changes and yeah. contracts change with it. I mean, we, we've mentioned a few times in terms of like running backs, you know, in the 80s, 90s, it was, you know, the big position. They were buying the linesmen, mm-hmm. you know, cars and stuff. And now... The running backs will be going to the the left tackle and the guards being like, you, you're paying for dinner, right? <laughs> there will be with some of these contracts. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I think that's, that's changed the game quite a bit uh, for the offensive line is 
so many more teams doing the run pass option and so many more a movement plays along the offensive line where it's not just about having the biggest offensive line. They've got to be able to move. They've got to be athletic. And that's why when you do get like an absolute specimen, um, you know, like P- Penny Sewell for the Detroit Lions, his potential is right up there to be an all-pro. Absolutely all-pro. I-, I firmly believe it. Hopefully he gets the opportunity to show that. But I mean, athletically, the man's a monster. And so quick. So um, it'll be really good to see how how the, the, the game does change for the offensive lines and defensive lines. As you say, the defensive tackle there. That's a big contract for a big guy and good for him. Well, I think there was some, some news. Obviously, that's the free agents. Um, but about all that really happened this week, I think with the draft over and that deadline passed, might see some more um, chips fall. I mean, players like Clowney are still out there, Dwayne Brown. Um, so whether a few moves in the forthcoming weeks or if it's closer to training camp, they're still out there. Yeah. Um, but we did have some news a lot closer to home. I don't know if you want to go through the international games, Dave. Oh, yes, I do. So, yeah, the international games, three in the UK this year, as we know. Uh, we've also got uh, one in Germany. So I'll cover the UK games that was announced today. So first game, we've got Minnesota Vikings against the Saints on October the 2nd uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then the next following week, we have the Giants against the Packers on October 9th, which is going to be quite an exciting game for two of the biggest, well, okay, arguably two of the most well-known franchises mm-hmm. uh, in the league. And then take a, a, a few weeks later, go trip down to Wembley Stadium for this, probably the smaller of the, the three games uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Denver Broncos. Uh, but yeah, the Jaguars sh- will enjoy their trip coming over. Um, but yeah, um, you know, they, these are they're going to be good games. I, I think whatever the outcome of these games, they are going to be fantastic. Um, we also do have the game in Germany in, I think it's Munich in Bayern Munich Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, so the Bucks and the Seattle Seahawks have been announced as their uh, as a, uh, opponent. So, um yeah, I mean, the international series is getting fantastic. I all nearly forgot about the two smaller teams in the Rams division as well, as they now have a game in Mexico as well with the 49ers and the Cardinals. Two fighting smaller it out teams. For, <laughs> for fighting it out for third place in the NFC West. So, uh, yeah, well, do, I'll actually, no way. Sorry, do, sorry, hang on. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Interrupting, interrupting <laughs> you there. You honestly think that... The 49ers and Cardinals are going to be third and fourth this year in your division. Uh, you have a team called Seattle. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you know, we obviously there is other news that we haven't come to involving the Cardinals, and the 49ers are like default third or fourth with Trey Lance at quarterback, <laughs> most likely this year. We don't know so, that. Uh, we don't know that Trey Lance could turn out to be. You know something special. He could. We my, don't know. You my, can't have my magic. My magic ram ball has told me that <laughs> this right. is what where did is you going get a ram's ball from? Look, uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, look. I I will refer to. I will plead the fifth. 
And um, you know, we we can uh, just leave that leave that comment right there where it belongs in the past. Uh, but yeah, look, it's the international series, fantastic for uh, everyone, and I think it does kind of show just how much of a global game the uh, the NFL has really become now. You know, we've got even with the, with NFL Europe before it had a massive following. Now that we've mm. got the real. I don't want to say the real deal, but we've got the the NFL teams that we are so used to seeing year in, year out are now coming to Europe. So really excited about it. Packers coming over for their first game. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, hopefully you guys get to go and see your teams as well. Jake, are you planning to try and get the Saints game? Oh, I'll I'll be there. I've seen the Saints already. I've been been over a few times, but I've seen the Saints already. Um, I think I'll be, maybe I'm biased, I think that'll be the best game just because it's, two quite even teams I think it'll be a, a proper just a, a shootout I, th- I think we could see 100 points in that game um, <laughs> but both the Vikings and the Saints are, are 2-0 and um, in the international series I mean the Giants are 2-0 and the Seahawks are 2-0 and uh, this is the Packers first time playing outside of America I believe it's mm-hmm. also the first time yeah. the reigning MVP is coming over so there's lots of firsts lots of interesting nuggets I, I believe Russell uh, you'll probably know more uh, I think Russell Wilson got married in in the United Kingdom, so he, he probably he's already got good memories of uh, the United true. Kingdom. So yeah. I've I think there's really that, actually. Didn't know yeah, don't, so don't many good memories. I know that, but that yes, that is true. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the international games are, are fantastic. I've been four or five times now, um, but I, I did so, not my random start because I, I already had it sorted. But I come across an absolute amazing thing on Good Morning Football this morning. Uh, the most past TDs in international games. Tom Brady sits at ten. I will give anybody here. Actually, you might have seen it, so I don't. I don't want to put my money where my mouth is. But I'll be majorly impressed if you can guess who is second with nine. So, uh, in international series, Tom Brady leads with ten. Yeah, most past TDs in international games. Tom Brady's at ten. And someone. Philip Rivers is at six. Six. Drew Brees is at five. Well, there is someone at nine. I'm going to guess here purely because they played so many games. The Jaguars is it Blake Bortles? Oh, see, I'm glad I didn't put money on it. But oh, use logic. Yeah. Is, is I, it, when I saw, Jag- yeah, when I saw Blake Bortles, I like spat really <laughs> my coffee out. Like what? Blake not, not a name you expect to see above Philip Rivers and Drew Brees, and just below Tom Brady. Do you know? I I, I was thinking, who are the Jaguars quarterbacks? <laughs> But, you know, it's, or it's a terrible thing to say. But recently I was watching The Good Place. I don't know if you've seen The Good Place. Yes, very yes. good, very good. And um, Jason, the, he's like, Bortles! Yes. Yes. So I was like, immediately, as soon as I get the Jaguars now, it's Bortles pops into my head. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen The Good Place, I think it's on Netflix just now, watch it. It's absolutely fantastic with Ted Danson and uh, Kristen Bell. I want to say it is? That's right. Yeah. Yes, uh, The Good Place. Great, brilliant show. Uh, so Bortles, yeah, he he popped into my head. So I had I had a slightly unfair advantage in guessing that one. It's <laughs> just because I was like, Jaguars? Um, so yeah, Bortles. Good. Nine. One behind Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, and is he still playing for the Bucks? Uh, which which one? Bra- Bra- Brady's definitely Bortles. playing for the Bucks. Bortles. Bortles uh, was on the Saints team last year, but requested oh, no, no, his... Sorry. Release once we signed Andy Dalton. Who am I thinking which was, of? Which uh, was obviously granted. Am I thinking of Blaine, Blaine Gabbert? Gabbert. Ah, yeah, you think of another Jags QB. Yeah, I see so many Jags QB. Well, I think the Bucks should start Blaine Gabbert in Munich. Um, yeah, I think they I mean, should I mean, start Blaine Gabbert the entire season. I'm just saying, just not? putting it out there, they'd probably be better. 
that just popped into my we're talking about Jags and, and quarterbacks popped into my mind we've got uh, Nick Foles I believe was released from the Bears as well so mm-hmm. I nearly forgot that that's just, because just, they just signed like that Trevor Simeon they know he can't compete to Trevor Simeon is that, is, that, is, is that what you think it is? Because that's I'm, exactly I'm, what it is. Uh, I'm, I, don't, I don't think that's what it is. I think it may have be something to do on the financial front. Nah. Uh, with do you know what calls. it is? It's because Justin Fields, uh, they want him to be the guy, right? Yes, but true. But they know that if Justin Fields starts to falter, the fans will be screaming for Nick Foles. And they don't want Justin and, Fields I, having that pressure. So if Trevor Simeon is the backup... And he's happy to be the backup. They know that if we need him, we can pop him in. But the fans aren't going to be screaming for Trevor Simeon anytime soon. Takes the pressure off of Justin Fields. See, it's mind games, guys. It's mind games. This is the way Trevor the NFL Simeon works. Trevor doesn't have a statue. What's that? Trevor Simeon doesn't have his own statue. He doesn't. He doesn't have his own statue. Maybe he does. We don't know. <laughs> he, he should. Trevor Simeon is... I love Trevor Simeon. I've said it before. What, what, I'll say it again. Well, yeah, yes. I, 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 we, we are well aware of your likeness for, um, <laughs> uh, shall we say, questionable quarterbacks. Um, but I think the only thing I would say about Justin Fields is that this is his year to to prove that he can be an NFL starting quarterback. Because, and I, I think I saw this earlier today, they have signed seven, either free agent or undrafted. Uh, wide receivers to the Bears. Seven. Short, seven. <laughs> and they also and I'm pretty sure they also drafted one as well. So but they, they did they did lose Alan Robinson, didn't they? Y- yes, but I think seven is a bit overcompensating <laughs> to try to find the next <laughs> Alan Robinson. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean obviously Alan Robinson signed for the Rams. So yeah, I'm and I'm, and, listen, and I'm telling you right now and you can take this one to the bank. Alan Robinson will be fantastic for the Rams. As long as he stays yes. healthy, as long as he's, you know, barring injuries, we can say that about every single player in the league, Alan Robinson is a star wide receiver who is criminally underused in Chicago and he will be Matt Stafford's third favourite target. He will, behind Cooper Cup and uh, Higby. I think he'll, be the, he'll oh, be the guy that Stafford yeah. will look to. Yep, Alan Robinson is class. Love it. I think the Bears Bears just took the, the the response of just we'll throw if we just throw enough things at the wall something will stick. We'll just sign, <laughs> if, if we sign eight wide receivers, seven wide receivers, one of them will be okay. I mean, <laughs> last last they're probably st- probably still got PTSD after the last couple of years with uh, Mr. Nagy, but um, yeah, I think that that's it, this is Justin Fields. I think it's probably just to get get people in, you know, see if there is any or of an undiscovered talent, untapped talent there that they can really provide some talent for, for fields to throw to. But um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I don't think it could get much worse. It, obviously, it could get much worse. The Bears could turn to, say, the Texans uh, of last year. I think that, that would be worse. But uh, yeah, that that's what they've kind of done um, after the draft, so the post-draft. But I think the only th- other thing that I... Uh, saw as well is that uh, Mike Davis was released from his contract uh, he, with the Falcons mm-hmm. um, but apart from that it has been a little bit quiet post-draft um, a lot of behind the scenes wheeling and dealing uh, very under the radar but yeah um, they're probably just trying to sort out all these rookie contracts at the moment and 
or, or trying to sleep. Uh, probably <laughs> yeah. After, after after all the lost hours, I did see that uh, the Jags signed the number one pick of the draft to a four-year, thirty-seven million dollar, uh, fully guaranteed contract. So yeah, nice little fully guaranteed. For... You know, you notice these uh, these rookie contracts are going back up again. Have we noticed that? Just a uh, little bit, yeah. After after yeah. the um, EBA, uh, yeah, because back in back in the day that it was the Jamarcus Russell one that kicked it all off with the massive contract that he got and then of course it, it didn't work and then and they, just, they started yeah. capping the the contracts for for these rookies but they're, they're creeping back up again mm-hmm. they're creeping back up but you know fair play to these guys uh i just hope it doesn't uh, go to their heads too quickly so that's the the uk games um we've talked about news free agency have we missed any other news before we move on to the next segment so i think in terms of just the, the free agency Obviously, today with the UK games, certainly made it uh, a good news day. Certainly did, and we're really looking forward to that. I've, I've seen the Broncos play twice. I saw them in 2010 in Wembley against the 49ers. They lost that game. And I saw them last year in Denver at Mile High Stadium uh, against the Eagles, and they lost that game. So I hope I'm not some sort of jinx. Uh, I'm going to try and get down to see the Broncos play the Jaguars. If they lose that game, I'll be raging. But it, I'm so glad. I was. I hope to get to see them. Was it in 2020? I think they were playing the Falcons, but it was cancelled because of COVID. They cancelled the international series. And I was really gutted about that. Um, so I can't wait to see the Broncos again and uh, get to see Russ Cook. That should be that should be good. So moving on from that, we're going to go into our next segment, which is of course Jake's hot takes. Jake, take it away. Yeah. So we covered the news there, and people might be thinking they've missed an important thing, but it's we didn't miss it. We were just saving it for everyone's favorite segment. Um, so DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended for a PED violation. Um, he's going to be out for six games. Um, certainly played into some of the moves that the Cardinals did over the draft day, which I'm sure we'll cover. Um, but my hot take is just really at the NFL and its priorities. Because um, that's Hopkins out for, for six games, eligible to return from week seven. Mm-hmm. Um, another wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, suspended an entire season for gambling. Um, which is incredibly ironic when the league is sponsored and encourages gambling, and we just had a draft in Las Vegas. The, um, and yeah, yeah, the, the the Calvin Ridley thing doesn't sit right with me. I understood it used to be very clear cut. The NFL used to have this. Um, I don't want to call it a rule, but it was basically they they would fine or suspend players for what they called bringing the game into disrepute, mm. and it was all a case of. Um, you are role models for our younger generation, all these athletes. And that's what they said. If you do anything that makes you look bad and, you know, by association makes the NFL look bad, you will be either fined or suspended or both. The NFL has the right to do that. And the NFL still has the right to obviously suspend and fine players regardless of what their team decides to do. This sort of um, control that the NFL as an organization has is uh, probably unmatched in sports. I'm, I'm not sure. I've not fact-checked anything like that. But the fact that, as you, as you rightly said, Jake, the NFL is now sponsored by so many uh, betting organizations. You see it all the time. Sponsored by, you know, DraftKings.com. It's and ev- 
everywhere. FanDuel. Uh, even in the UK, it's always 888, and I forget the other ones, but it's it's just constant sports betting. Constant. And as you see, they're holding the draft in Las Vegas. They have a team in Las Vegas. Betting is now legal in uh, Colorado and there's other states where, you know, sports betting is legal because there's still a lot of places where it's not legal to bet on sports mm-hmm. in, in the USA. To, uh, to the best of my knowledge, if, if I'm wrong in that, someone please, you know, uh, correct me on that. But to suspend someone for a year for betting on, and I don't think he was, he wasn't betting on his own games, was he? Uh, there was one of the bets he had yeah. had the Falcons, oh. but he was away from the team because um, he was away with, ment- with mental health, so he wasn't playing on the team. So right, so he, he, so he wasn't playing. So it's not like not like he could influence. I can understand. Yeah, he wasn't I... dropping. He wasn't dropping the passes on purpose. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes but in he, the he end zone, was like, oh no, we're going to yeah. go over. Exactly. He, he but what he also did was he bet on his own team to win in, in that instance. Well, that was, so that was a stupid decision, wasn't it? Oh yeah, well, come on, absolutely. <laughs> Why, just because he was playing for the Falcons. Oh absolutely. yeah, I mean, did yeah. you see them last year? <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, I, mean, um, I, I, I would. I probably did that as well. So I, I, I probably openly bet against the Falcons on the majority games as well. So I, 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 it, yeah, I, I, I just can't. See, I can't see how you know one minute NFL networks promoting FanDuel. And the next, they're seeing you're not allowed to bet in sports. Well, that, that, that's not even the, the. I've not even got to to the hardest of the take. Oh my goodness! Sorry, of, sorry, Jake. <laughs> no, the the hardest part of the take is the fact that you know by no means are, are we are we here to say you know what Calvin Ridley was was correct. You know, it, it's there. You're not supposed to bet on obviously the spot you're playing in. That that is absolutely fine. And you know, if he has to be suspended, that's that's also fine. The my issue uh, and the thing that really just boils my blood. Is he's out for 17 games now in, indefinitely? There's no that is at the end of it. They could again next year. I think it's February 23. He's eligible to reinstate. They can keep this going. Um, he may never play another down of football. Um, but according to the NFL, what Calvin Ridley did placing I think it was five bets. I think it was like 1,500 in total, which is you know chump change to someone like Calvin Ridley. That is apparently over eight times worse than what Ray Rice did. Ray Rice, there's a video, it's well documented, beating up his fiance. he got two game suspension. The, the, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, yeah, the disparity. Sorry, sorry, Jay, carry, yeah, yeah. carry on, carry yeah, on. Yeah, so, so Ray Rice beating his fiance on, on video, um, two games. Adrian Peterson, felony child abuse, six games. Greg Hardy beating up his girlfriend, was originally 10 games, got reduced to four. Um, and then Ezekiel Elliott for hitting a woman got six games, so... The NFL, my problem is, you know, if a player does something wrong, breaks a rule, breaks a law, by all means, suspend them. But get your priorities right. You yeah, the, the, the disparity. We, we hear about so many players. I mean, you missed Kareem Hunt. The issues with Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt. Uh, accusations against Ben Roethlisberger back in the day. Tyreek Hill. My goodness. Um, I, I don't know. Was Tyreek Hill even, was he ever suspended? I think it was before the NFL, so I don't think so. Ah, was it? Okay, then. That was well, I mean, NFL. Deshaun Watson is currently, as far as we're aware, it might change, but as far as we're aware, Deshaun Watson is going to play this year. Uh, uh, yes, that has, been, yeah, that has been no uh, mention of suspensions yet for Deshaun Watson. I'll be, I will be surprised if nothing happens. I'll be surprised if he's not suspended. 
and I think we spoke about this before with the the Cleveland Browns structuring his contract so that his first year is only $1 million because they ex- fully expect him to be suspended for a year. I think they expect that, but there's been no mention of it. And if that is the case, then <laughs> you think, my goodness, Calvin Ridley, that's a bum it's, deal. Yeah, It's just really upsetting and... Just really annoying as a fan of the sport when you see, you know, we're making such progressive change in the world and, you know, working towards equality and I'm trying to do right by people and we're out here suspending a guy for an entire season for putting a few bets on. But if you beat up your wife or you beat up your fiance or, you know, allegedly, you know, 22 women come forward, it's like, ah, four games, six games, you know. We don't endorse it, but you know, don't do it again. It's like how someone can make that decision and think on paper that you know makes sense and is a good look for the league. Like it's just a terrible look, as far as I'm concerned, when someone's gets suspended for two games for on video beating up their fiance, but and they're out, you know, dishing out seventeen games for know, somebody mm, putting a bet on. Another thing is that Calvin Ridley gets suspended for seventeen games for placing some bets. The fallout from Spygate didn't result in much. And that was a team cheating to win. And you think, hang on a second, that's not right. And Deflategate, that was another one. Mm-hmm. That's, that's teams cheating to gain an advantage. Surely that's worse than placing bets on games you're not even involved in. I think the league as a whole need to have a set... Uh, sorry not necessarily a priority list, but, you know, a set of rules that will dictate what these kind of punishments will be. You know, what, like they don't have that. They're, it feels like at times they are plucking just game numbers out their head, whatever the dice rolls. You know, it's, okay, oh, today's three games. Yeah, let's go for a three-game ban for this guy. Or let's go for a five-game ban for this year. And, you know, that, that that's what it feels like at the moment. And I, I think the priorities of the league are wrong. And they have been wrong for a long time, mm. especially when it comes to the actions of players outside the NFL. Because not only are they public figures, they are, the the sport has to uh, they they have to treat them as role role models. That's why they have awards like the Walter Payton Award. You know, the Walter Payton Man of the Year is is basically given to someone who is you know has gone above and beyond in the commu- in this community. You know, he's been an absolute saint, done everything possible he possibly can for people that are maybe not as fortunate as he is. But they, these get every single player in the league is should be and is a role model for the next generation. All these kids, you know, for example, us playing Madden. You know, if we were in America, we were playing Madden when we were young. We would want to be out after school. We would want to be, you know, catching balls or. Um, you know, diff it or you know, being a big offensive tackle, maybe not necessarily in my case, but um, <laughs> you know, we would be we would be playing the game and we would be hoping one day, just dreaming of reaching the NFL. But the message that it's sending to the next generation is that you are going to get away with committing these offenses. And in some cases, you know, like Jake said, felonies. Now felonies are just they they are the next level of crime in America. You know, they, they could, America categorizes crimes as kind of misdemeanors or felony and felonies are the worst ones. And players are getting not even a half of what Calvin Ridley got for betting. And 
it needs to change. It needs to change now. I'm sorry. I, I have no other. I, I'm I'm pretty disgusted at the league. Plus, what what the actual information about DeAndre Hopkins was just you know obviously, um, since that was that's what's brought up this topic is that uh, there was trace amounts of three anabolic steroids which are commonly used um, in recovery from sports injuries. And Hop- at the time, or around the time, Hopkins had suffered uh, from nagging hamstring and MCL strains. So they think that that's probably what it was uh, to do with. But at the same time, it's still a prohibited substance. Um, but yeah, you, you, I think the, po- the point's made, though. They, they need to sort out the priorities and need to do it now. Yeah, I mean, Hopkins came out and said, obviously, he's not done it intentionally. Um, he was confused and shocked by it. He's obviously going to look through and, and try and fit, get to the bottom of it. But, you know, he's accepted his six games. That's not a problem. You know, like I say, if someone breaks the rules, somebody, you know, does something they shouldn't do, absolutely suspend them. You know, absolutely give them a fine and, and do what you got to do, but just sort the priorities out. Because mm-hmm. Hopkins getting six games for that, I don't think anyone, you know, most people are like, okay, you know, if he's broke the rules, he's broke the rules, whether he's done it knowingly or unknowingly. But it just always goes back to, like I say, other things, like, like I say, the Greg, the Greg Hardley one just makes makes me laugh. You know, he went to MMA afterwards. He's clearly got, you know, <laughs> anger issues. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, being his girlfriend, the NFL originally came out very strong, like, we're going to ban you for 10 games for what you've done, you know. And then it was like, ah, we'll reduce it to four. So it's, I don't think they're going to halfway through the season go, do you think we did Calvin Ridley better? Oh, we'll reduce it to half season. No, no, they won't. They'll stick by it and say, see you next year. You know, the same as Josh Gordon it always is. Well, you apply next year and we'll let you know if we want you back. And uh, any, anything else that you need to add to that, Jake? No, I've got that off my chest now. I feel better. Right. This is therapy for me. <laughs> That's, do you know what? It is. It's therapy for a lot of yeah. us, this, this podcast, Absolutely. I feel. I think the, the only thing I was... I, I, I Obviously, we, we don't know what Jake's hot takes is going to be uh, coming onto the show, but I was thinking that there was going to be an, a second or third kind of stick it to Maurice Jones-Drew uh, after his you know, prediction of four top ten quarterbacks going in the draft, I, and I, yeah, I, I think we can. I, well, you know, you're bringing that up, Dave. I think it's about time we spoke about the draft, and we're going to look at some. We're going to we're going to look at some winners and losers from the NFL draft. Which we've each picked, um, you know, one winner, one loser from the NFL draft. Teams that really filled their needs and teams that just didn't seem to improve at all. Dave, let's start with you. Who is your 2022 draft winner? Which team did you pick won the draft? Well, this is a painful one for me uh, because I, I, I didn't really want to say it, but... You know, I haven't seen our uh, draft experts uh, in a couple of weeks, and I think maybe it is paying off. But I'm going to give it to the Detroit Lions as the winner, uh, especially from the first round. First round alone, uh, I think really they got everything. Not only did they get their man in Aiden Hutchinson at the first, they then traded up for one of the highest rated, arguably the highest rated wide receivers in the draft to give Jared Goff a target to try to aim at. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, there, there was obviously rumours that the Lions were going to come in uh, at 32 and pick a quarterback. That definitely did not happen. Um, but yeah, what they did was they addressed a need that they had in wide receiver. They got a freak athlete in Aiden Hutchinson at uh, number two. I think they traded, it was number t- uh, 12 that they traded up to. 
because what they did see coming was a wide receiver train of picks in the middle of that draft and they got ahead to get their man and I, you know, I just cannot fault them for it. I think they addressed every single need. They got a couple of defensive backs as well and they just got half a team basically from the draft. Absolute brilliance uh, from for, for the first time in a long time, I think, from the Lions uh, back room. But yeah, it's it was very close for me. Uh, I think the Lions are right up there. Ravens obviously having a great draft. The Jets as well. Um, but yeah, the Lions for me get an A plus, which is not something I think I've ever uttered out my my mouth before. The Detroit Lions, I thought, did a spectacular job in the draft. Absolutely spectacular. And I found something out today about the Detroit Lions. We we spoke about them um, last week, I think it was, and they, they're in full rebuild. And uh, Dave joked they've been in rebuild since the 1950s. Um, <laughs> they, they really are in rebuild. And I actually was speaking to our uh, resident uh, draft expert, Ewan McPhail, today, who pointed out that the Lions have one player on their roster over 30. Wow. One. That is insane. I'm not, that might be a random stat. I don't think that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. That one player over 30 on the roster is just incredible. Um, they filled every need, I think. And they, as you see, you know, drafting up for the, uh, trading up for the wide receiver, they already had um, Amon Rasim Brown on the team who looked just dynamite last year when he got his chances to play. Um, I think the quarterback position is still lacking. They could have addressed that. They decided to go with Goff, but they beefed up the offensive line. And yes. we saw what Goff could do with a good offensive line back in 20... Oh, my goodness. 18? I, I, for, I forgot. <laughs> I've forgotten already. I purposely forgot. Yeah, I know. Your PTSD's <laughs> kicked in there. Yes, just, yes, just yes. mental blocks. But yeah. So this this might now be the, the perfect position for Jared Goff to sort of try and resurrect his career. So fair play to the Lions. That's an excellent pick, Dave. I, I like that. Jake, do you anything anything you want to add about the Lions? Yeah, do you think they could be a late surprise for the Baker Mayfield sweepstake? Oh. If he was to be released. I mean, the no. Panthers have taken a quarterback in the draft. Mm. The Seahawks have two quarterbacks. The Steelers took a quarterback. I mean, I think this could be a sneaky Baker Mayfield. I think if Mayfield gets released, he would want to go. Do you know what? He probably would want to go to the Lions. Because I was going yeah. to say that the two teams who'd be, who I think still are in dire need of a quarterback is the Lions and the Washington Commanders. The commanders took a call back in the draft as well. They, they did, but I think they would want someone. If if I think if Baker Mayfield became available, they would take him. I think they would That's definitely go for him. But I think the Lions would be the better position for Baker. Yeah, That's someone to I, keep an eye on. Yeah, I I generally think that uh, the Lions will not sign Baker Mayfield, and the reason is purely financial. Because we, it's Goff's contract. That is, that's the only reason Goff is, is still at the Lions. Is his contract? Um, the Lions would, would take a massive, massive hit uh, in their cap, and um, obviously we know the cap's a myth. But Goff is still, he, he's, you know, I think they are kind of relying on him for this year anyway. Uh, I think if someone of Baker Mayfield's caliber was available next year, I think they would sign him then. This year, I don't think so. I think that the prime ones are 
probably the Seahawks and the Commanders, I would say. Because I, I know, you know, you've got the quarterback battle between, uh, is it Gino and Strulock? That's the yeah. Seahawks, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, I I don't overly rate Gino, and Strulock can be a good quarterback. I think we, we, we've still discussed don't know. this before. <laughs> we've still yep, done absolutely, absolutely, but I... I, from what I, I, what I again, probably the same with Gino as well. He, he can probably can be a good quarterback, but I think Baker is a good quarterback. I do like Baker Mayfield, um, but you know, I, I I don't think the Lions are that destination. But I think the Lions, yeah, they they've really kind of they're still that they, you know they've always obviously got they've got Jameson Will, uh, Williams uh, the wide receiver, but. From the Matthew Stafford trade as well, I was looking at it, that they've got Jared Goff, they've got Jameson Williams, they've got Efitu Melifunu. I can't, I cannot pronounce his name. Uh, I'm afraid uh, that that's still part of it. Um, but they've also got a number one uh, pick for next year as well, still to come from the Matthew Stafford trade. So I, I know obviously Matthew Stafford's you know fantastic quarterback, but I think there's you know their draft for this year and next year. If they have another good draft next year, I think they are set for to finally challenge the Packers at the top of their division for the next couple of years I am going to see the Detroit Lions will finish second in the division this year I think they've improved so much as well, long Viking, as uh, Vikings first <laughs> no I'm not doing that um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Vikings later on I, I'm of the small minority who thinks the Vikings really did not improve at all in the draft I think they stayed as they are. I, th- I think obviously, obviously they improved. Of course they improved. Oh, don't, don't steal my thunder. Sorry, Jake. I might, might have I jumped the gun on that one. Uh, I, 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 think the Li- I think the Lions improved so much and they had so many positives. You know, you know that wee spark of positivity last year and you were like, this could be good. I say Pinay Sewell, j- just himself, was so... You know, it took him a while to get going. And in the first, what, six weeks, he looked like a bust. I mean, he genuinely looked like a bust. But then he started to get better and better. And by the end of the season, you're thinking, this guy is legit. And I firmly believe that Penisul and the diamond in the rough, as I said, um, Amon Rasen Brown just looked spectacular when he got a chance. It looks, on paper, it was a really good draft for the Lions. And I think they will be challenging for the number two spot. And I think I think they're going to get it. Lions, second spot in the NFC North this year. Calling it now. That's a stupid early prediction for you. Um, so that was uh, that's the Lions. Uh, that's Dave's win. Dave, give us your loss. Which team was the which team was a loser in the draft this year? Well I'm very happy to say that I have picked Big Bill and the Pats uh, as my kind of loss, but I do this with a lot of caution because, as we all know, <laughs> the Pats are the Pats and Belichick is Belichick and he is a master of what he does. I You just you just I, know that the twenty thirty seven some- the twenty thirty seven Hall of Fame class is gonna involve three Pats from this year's draft. Now that Dave said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I just, you know, I, I'm looking at the draft and I was trying to find highlights on the guys that they did draft and mm. there's just very little exists, to be honest, on, on them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just, it was a weird, a weird, weird pick that they made in the first round, especially. Pick 29, out of nowhere comes Cole Strange. Oh, what a strange pick. 
but the you know the pick twenty nine, the first rounder. Now the Rams, uh, I, obviously there was a bit of controversy because the Rams were doing a press conference with Sean McVay. How did this uh, turn into the Rams? What happened? Uh, no, look, right, this is, this is news, and I am saying it uh, in a reporting <laughs> stance. Okay, right, right, right. Got your it reporter's was, head on. Sorry. It, it, yes, got my reporter's apologies, head apologies on. Apologies, apologies here. Uh, that uh, one of the greatest uh, coaches ever uh, was giving a press conference at the time, uh, uh, Sean McVeigh, and obviously one of the greatest GMs, Les Snead. Uh, they were given a little press presser, and when Cole Strange was taken at pick 29 of the first round, they could. They were laughing because they were thinking he was going to be available in the third round. So they were looking at him as a potential for their third round pick. Um, now, the Pats, to me anyway, they have a lot. They, they do have a lot of needs. But what what I do know from past seasons is that the Pats like to stock up on players, uh, and they do this by they add depth of players of equal talent instead of having star men in. Maybe not the most notable positions. Obviously, you had Tom Brady for years. He was regarded as a star quarterback. But you also had players that were not regarded as stars in their position. But they always did the job in Belichick's system. Whatever they needed to do, whatever they required to do, they did it and they did it well. And they had multiple players that did that. So that's the only thing I'm saying with caution. But the Pats were so underwhelming in the draft. So Mm. I think... I'm want, I I want to say, and I do think that since since Tom Brady left, they are definitely in rebuild, um, and I think they did kind of prove that with their draft picks this or the draft choices this year. I would say. Well, the last time the Pats reached, you know, quote unquote, reached um, for a guard in the first round, it was Logan Mankins, and and that worked out pretty well. So <laughs> I, I just trust the hoodie. God, I can't. I can't. I I would love for Dave to be right on this. I would love it, but I just I've been burned by Belichick far too many times <laughs> to yeah. second guess this guy. Um, and he's just. I, I for all we know, it was his dog who was making the picks. Right, you know, that that was just look, look, look. Now, that is not what we refer to Tom Brady as on this show. (laughs) It's the goat that we refer to Tom Brady. I will never, ever, ever refer to Tom Brady as the goat. That's never going to happen because he isn't. Um, So anyway, do you have anything more you want to talk about the Pats at all? No. All right then. I don't case. want to talk about them anymore. Don't know. Um, Mr. McGee, Jake McGee, who was your winner from the the? Oh no! In fact, no. Do you know what, Jake? I'm going to jump in here. Keep me waiting. Keep, keep I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep you waiting. That's what I'm going to do. I, I should have done that. I'm on deck. Um, <laughs> my uh, winners are the New York Football Giants. Now, the Giants had like a hundred picks. It was it was absolutely relentless how many picks they had. I was was it fifteen? I think they had fifteen picks in the draft. Um, but what they did, particularly just in the first round, was spectacular. Drafting Kevon uh, Thibodeau out of Oregon with the fifth overall pick was uh, just I, I I didn't expect it. it came right out left it. Although I believe you guys had an inkling. Did you? Is that right? Well, I think what, what myself and Jake were discussing at the time, we saw the pick and we were like, wow. But then it kind of dawned on us the thought process behind it because 
The next two players that went in the draft were two of the top tackles between Icky and Evan Neal. So yeah. what it meant was that by taking Thibodeau at five, that guaranteed them one of the top tackles in the draft. So they were, you know, uh, they were guaranteed probably probably the two people that they wanted the most, maybe besides Sauce Gardner. But they got Thibodeau, and then they had their uh, whoever the Panthers didn't pick, they were picking that tackle next. So fantastic! Oh, what, what, just genius win-win. It, it yeah, was, it was chess, not checkers, really. You you spoke about this, Jake, didn't you? Um, Yeah. Pre-draft. And you'd said the Giants are going to go big, uh, you know, offense and defense. And -hmm. you thought that's what they were going. Because I I wasn't sure what they were going to do. So, yeah, give us your take on that, Jake. Well, yeah, me and Dave, when we were watching it, at first, you know, Thibodeau came out and I was like, great pick. I was high on him. Um, There was a lot of buzz about teams trading up for him. And then it it took us about 15, 20 seconds to go, hold on. That, this is genius. You know, like Dave says, they have now got their big man on defense. And no matter what, if there's trades behind them, you know, Carolina takes whichever offensive lineman they want. The Giants have com- like guaranteed themselves an offensive lineman. Uh, and I think uh, I'd mentioned with Thibodeau that there are teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys were looking to trade up and teams like the Panthers were looking to trade down. You know, if they had taken, you know, say they wanted Icky or they wanted Evan Neal, who they got, if they take that offensive lineman at five, there's nothing stopping a team trading up to get Thibodeau. And then they're sat at seven going, okay, who, you know, who do we like next? You know, doing it this way, they just guaranteed they got exactly what they wanted. I think it was just, it was chestnut checkers. It definitely was. And I thought what they did in the one deal Robinson trade was sublime. Because I, I didn't I didn't think anything of it at the time. I was sort of wondering what the Giants were doing. They they traded down twice and then they took a Wondale Robinson with a forty third pick overall. And I was like, why why did why are they trading there? Why do they keep trading? Why would you not just pick him where he is? Well they got the draft capital and they got the guy they wanted. They they wanted a slot receiver and they got the one that they wanted but traded down twice and were able to get more picks because of it. And you think this is, as you see, chess. They really thought this one, this was obviously planned out, you know, just meticulously. And some of the other players they got, they got LSU corner, a cordial flaunt from LSU, got to getting him 81st overall. I think that was absolutely brilliant. And the, the big tight end, Danny, Daniel Bellinger, another one who a lot of people were really high on. And, you could argue that the, the best value pick they got was Micah McFadden, the, the linebacker from Indiana, at the 146th pick overall. Just everything they did seemed to be filling the holes. They got the offensive line. I mean, they signed, sorry, they drafted Evan Neal, tackle. They got guard Joshua, Ed, as you do. They got the other guard from North Carolina, uh, Marcus McKeithen. They they. So they totally beefed up the offensive line. They got two linebackers, a defensive tackle, they got a safety, a cornerback, a tight end, a wide receiver, and an edge rusher. It was basically they got an entire team to to put around what they have already got, you know, with the running back and the quarterback. They basically just drafted an entire team. Joe Schoen, the new general manager of the, the Giants, did an incredible job. I was, And it wasn't until I started looking into it more... After the draft had, you know, everything had settled down. And I was thinking, these guys did such a great job in trading. Um, I believe 
NFL.com gave them an, an A or an A minus draft trade, uh, draft grade, I should say. And absolutely, it, it could easily have been an A plus. I thought the Giants did a spectacular job and they just fantastic well done the new york football giants they've got a lot of good things to look forward to this year and on the other side of the ball uh my loser is the seattle seahawks yay what a uh, surprise <laughs> <laughs> so are, are we talking about the draft or just you know pete carroll uh, well who made the picks you know was it carroll oh. they, they just Considering what, and I, I can understand there's a there's a thought process and there's a school of thought or a, a train of thought go along this line that says they already got Shelby Harris and they got Noah Fant, so they don't need a tight end. They don't need an inside defensive lineman. But they lost Bobby Wagner. They lost one of the most, one one of the, the, the best pieces on that defensive, uh, the, the, the linebacking group that they have, and they never replaced him. They, they, I was sitting there waiting for them to take a linebacker. It's like, you've got to take a linebacker to replace Wagner. You've got, there's got to be someone here. You've got your eye on. Otherwise, why would you let Wagner go? I mean, there's no reason to do it because it makes your team worse. So I thought, they've, they've got to be looking at a linebacker. And, and they didn't take a linebacker. Their first pick, the ninth overall pick, was um, tackle Charles Cross. Now, a lot of people were very high on Cross. But I don't think he's helping that team as much as a number nine overall pick should. Boye Maffey, they took 40th overall. Uh, I was surprised he actually fell down to 40th. So that, that sort of gave a little bit of a little bit of hope. But then drafting Kenneth Walker the third with the very next pick, a running back with the next pick. So it's the last thing you need. It's the last thing you need. You your your team has been decimated. And then they didn't take a quarterback, which I thought they would take a quarterback because the, the two gaping holes in that team was quarterback and inside linebacker. I mean, they, I mean, they drafted two wide receivers. You've already you got, think? you've already got wide receivers. Why are you drafting two wide receivers? And I understand it's, you know, it's late in the draft, uh, Bo Melton and, and, and Derek Young, but you, you got these extra draft picks from the Russell Wilson trade. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? Why would you draft Melton when you've got Tyler Lockett? I, I, I don't see it. So um, maybe maybe they're looking to trade for Baker Mayfield. Maybe the Seahawks want Baker, and that's why they didn't try and get a quarterback. But I'm just sitting there looking at what the Seahawks did and say, this makes no sense. I mean, I'm happy it makes no sense because I don't like the Seahawks. But, you know, it's not about me. It's about a, a, a team trying to improve, which is the entire point of them picking players in the NFL draft. And I, if anything, after all the trades and all and the draft has been said and done, barring something spectacular happening, happening in the next few weeks, the Seahawks are worse off than they were at the end of, at season's end. How can your team be worse off? It, it, it makes no sense to me. If you guys have an opinion on this, go for it knock yourselves out in seattle i think they're i think they're worse off than they were at the start of the draft and the reason that i say that is because they had the potential with the draft picks especially with the draft picks but i i think they kind of failed uh in like you said with their needs um i mean even if they took you know obviously there was there was at the end of round one there were still two quarterbacks left in the green room 
Uh, it was Malik Willis and Matt Corral, if I remember rightly. And mm-hmm. they obviously went a lot later um, than the first round. But um, yeah, I, I I think there's it, it either signals to me that they're going to go with Gino or Drew, and Drew Locke fighting out for the number one spot, or they are going to possibly... I mean, I can't see it being Jimmy G because it's division d- division to do, uh, it's the same division. That's the only thing that I'm thinking is not a possibility. But Baker is definitely potential. Uh, it's, it's definitely a potential landing spot. But I do think it does depend on what the Browns do because I don't think the Seahawks want to give up any any capital for him. I think they just want him to come over as a free agent. So I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, I I, I look at the. The, the 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 Charles Cross pick again, and I think that that's ins- that's an insane pick. And now they, they might say, well, you know, you look at the three picks afterward, all wide receivers. And yes, they were, but the thirteenth pick by the Eagles was Jordan Davis, the Chuck Bednarik winner, defensive tackle. I mean, you've already got Shelby Harris. Why would you not double down, get a defensive tackle because you're missing the inside linebacker? Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, get the pressure. If you can't get the pressure or, you know, the the extra time and coverage from, from a linebacker position, beef up that defensive line. This made no sense to me. I think the Seahawks might have had one of the worst drafts I can ever remember for not filling needs. When you just sit there and go, what in the name of all that is holy are you doing? You know, with these draft picks, it did, it made no sense. Jake, am I wrong? Did I am I just seeing this the wrong way around? What do you think? I mean, time will tell. But I think, like a player like Nakobe Dean, who is a top fifteen, top twenty uh, prospect. Obviously, there's a few health concerns and, and and something going on behind the scenes. He dropped all the way to eighty three. I mean, the, the Seahawks probably picked four, maybe five times by that point. And you got to think. I mean, to me, that would be a classic Seahawks move. You know, take. A player like that, with all the talent in the world, maybe with a few concerns, will take him, chip on his shoulder. You know, defensive player at the Seahawks would make perfect sense. He dropped to 83. I mean, like you say, it's all well and good. We were saying teams like the Texans and the Jets, you know, take best player available, take who's on the top of your draft board. But the Seahawks and their fans uh, will be expecting them to be competitive this year. And if you're not filling obvious needs... I mean, it is kind of a head scratcher. It is a head scratcher. I just, I, I just, I don't get it. It annoyed me, <laughs> and the fact that I don't like the Seahawks anyway sort of mitigated that slightly. But to, to see a team just doing that, and you and you're looking at some players, as you say, who maybe should have gone earlier, I just think, why would you not take that player? I, I don't get it. I just, I don't understand what they're doing. Um, so yeah, my losers. The Seattle Seahawks. Jake, you're the last man standing. Who was your winner of the NFL draft? A winner of the NFL draft. I'm starting to think I'm a closet fan. I've mentioned them a few times this offseason, um, but I'm loving what the Jets are doing. I mean, they've had a, a great offseason. Uh, an overall job from the general manager, Joe Douglas, is just sublime. But bringing in players like Lakin Tomlinson, CJ Ozama, Tyler Conklin, he's now drafted... Um, Garrett Wilson, who was at number ten. I mean, Zach Wilson has been is given uh, every opportunity to succeed, <laughs> and then not even on the you know not just the offense they focused on. I mean, they brought in Brees Hall in the second round, which again I think is a great pick. He, he was 
mocked in most um, to be the first running back gone, which he still was, but he's you know probably went later than people expected. Um, they obviously took Sauce at number four, which once the Texans took Stingley was just a home run hit. And then the, to do the move which they did to jump back in at 26 and get Jermaine Johnson, who again was a top nine, a top ten pick, you know, he was the, the biggest faller probably besides Nakobe Dean. Um, to, to have the wherewithal to jump back in at 26. Um, they got 26 and 101 for um, 35, 69, 163. So it was, again, good value. Um, they've drafted three, well, the first four players there are all on paper, absolutely fantastic players. And uh, they got Daniel Jeremiah's number one uh, cornerback, number one wide receiver number one running back and number three edge. And considering you think the first two picks were edge, um, it kind of yeah. says the, the the talent that they got from this draft was just sublime. New York, for a long, long time, has been the laughing stock, especially when it comes to drafts. And the, both the Giants and the Jets have just smashed out the park. Yeah, they did. Both, uh, both the, the New York teams did really well. It was uh, Sauce Gardner, the, the pick of Sauce Gardner. I think most people expected it. I think that's what they were kind of looking at was going to be uh, Sauce Gardner. There's a little bit of me that's sort of disappointed that uh, they didn't manage to get uh, Sauce Gardner and Smoke Monday because that would have just been class. <laughs> that, that would have been amazing. But, you know, due difference to the scenes there, they got there, man. I thought the Jets did a spectacular job. I, I still don't think it's going to be enough to for them to be you know challenging the bills uh, in the FC East but they've made a good start and uh, good for them good for the jets dave what do you reckon about that finally a good draft well i, I think the the over, we're, we're talking about our winners and losers of this draft but i think the winners or the winner is the city of new york i think they're finally going to get some <laughs> great football in the next couple of years i um I mean, obviously, we we all know that I'm not a fan of Zach Wilson. Uh, I I don't think he's a starting level quarterback. Right? He could maybe he could get better. Um, new coach, new setup. That could happen. May help him make some uh, adjustments. But the, what what the what the Jets did in the draft, you know, I bow down to them. The Giants as well. The we we already said the Giants were absolutely fantastic. The Jets just as good if not even better and what you know what they did they not only did they get positions of needs which they had a lot of but they filled all those positions um i one, one of the ones that might have gone slightly under the radar i say under the radar sort of under the radar 101st pick jeremy rockets the tight end mm-hmm. uh, ohio state he I, I saw some of his highlight reels and he is probably in my opinion anyway an underrated tight end you know he, he could have gone earlier uh, I reckon, but I think the Jets have really they picked up you know the first round to trade back in as well. That is just I bow down, I applaud. They they've really come out top. I think for me anyway, it was between uh, the Jets and the Lions for the best uh, draft. I think the Lions had such a good draft because they filled all their needs a lot more. The Jets just got quality, and you know both I think are actually going to pick up this year. I think the league is going to be so much closer this year. Um, and it's going to be very close for the first pick in the draft next year. Well, I, I hope so. Um, and it's good. I mean, the, the whole point of the format of the NFL draft is to create parity. 
the, the, the worst ranked team last year gets the best, the first pick in this year's draft. But it was it was good to see the the, dra- the, the trades as well happening in the draft. Love the trades. Um, and yeah, Giants, Jets, Lions, all did well. Pats, Seahawks, not so much. We're still waiting for one loser. Jake, who is, uh, who is your loser on the NFL draft? Yeah, this might be a bit of a contentious one, but it's my opinion. Um, and it was, I have chosen the Minnesota Vikings. Um, not necessarily for the players that they picked, because uh, the, the safety scene, who they picked at 32, and the cornerback, Andrew Booth Jr., again, positions of need and, and good players. Um, but they traded out of the 12th pick mm-hmm. for a very, very poor value. Um, what, did, what did they get? They could, what did they get for that? Um, so they gave up the twelfth and the forty-sixth pick, um, and they got in exchange the thirty-second, the thirty-fourth, and the sixty-sixth uh, overall, yeah. which on the trade value breakdown was a negative two hundred thirty points. Um, and on the draft day trades, you very, very rarely see a negative um, trade. You know, accepted. You know, it's always the team trading back is you know getting better value. So the Lions. Uh, definitely took them for a ride and and trading in your division as well they did it again um, in the second round with the Packers helping your rivals get better even if you're getting you know the Packers when they got good value they got two seconds but drafting you know trading back and helping your rivals that's not going to help you when you play them twice a year it's not and and let's not kid ourselves on here does anyone think the Packers are going to finish 1-15 no does anyone think that the Vikings are going to get like incredible draft capital Next year, you know, okay, oh, we got next year's second round pick. Who cares? That's going to be in the 60s. You know, yeah, that, that's not num- going to be 33. At number 12, they could have taken Kyle Hamilton, who was by far the best safety. Um, they could have took Trent McDuffie. Um, you know, they traded back and they take, they take lesser players whilst giving the Lions an absolute weapon who would have been the first wide receiver off the board, no question, if it wasn't for his injury. Uh, and then with the Packers, you know, everybody made a big deal of the Packers not taking a wide receiver in the first round again. <laughs> we said they wouldn't. Um, yeah, we said they would. But then the, the Vikings give them, the, I, I believe they give them the 34. Lions pick. Yeah, they gave them the Lions yeah. pick 34 where they drafted a wide receiver. So you're, you're helping, you know, the, it wasn't necessarily the players that they took because they still took positions of need, unlike, you know, the Seahawks. So I would argue the Seahawks had a worse draft. They could have took better players if they stuck where they were in those exact same positions. Um, they traded out with rivals and helping their rivals out. It just, <laughs> uh, maybe it's just because I'm a very petty person, but I would do anything to screw with my rival. If the Saints helped the Falcons by moving back for them, I wouldn't be best impressed. No, I wouldn't think so. Uh, Dave, what did you think of the Vikings draft uh, t- tactics, shall we call it? I'm not sure there was any actual thought involved ridiculously negative i mean i've I've just had a look at their draft activity just now i can see the the it wasn't the only time they traded back within the draft they also traded Mm. they traded back twice uh with the raiders uh they swapped i think it was fourth and seventh round picks at one point and then traded their fourth or a fifth and a seventh i think it was or fifth and a sixth something along those lines but um very very negative um i'm not not overly impressed with the Vikings at all. I mean, they, they were right, uh, right at the top of my list of the losers of the draft as well. Um, not just not really not overly impressed. I, I 
don't see where the the kind of spark that I think the Vikings need for a successful year next year is coming from looking at their team. And trust me when I say this, that, that that's not a dig at uh, Kirk Cousins. I, do, I think the whole team as a whole is just not quite up to scratch. Uh, I, I, I It's not up to scratch compared to, say, the Lions improvements or the Packers at the moment. Uh, obviously, the Packers are the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So... Um, I, I don't think the Vikings... Uh, I think you're right, uh, Ian, in your earlier prediction with the Lions. I think the Lions will will take second from uh, the Vikings, and I think the Bears will push them for third as well. Well, I think the, the only thing I would say before we move on um, to the next part is we would be remiss not to mention maybe an honourable mention uh, for winners would be the fans. With all these trades that went on, I mean, um, the AJ Brown to the Eagles, um, so that was for the number 18th pick and 101st, which is our late third, who then signed immediately a four-year, 100 million, um, uh, well, 57 million guaranteed, 100 million total um, contract. And another wide receiver not named Debo Samuel moved in terms of Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown, plus the 100th pick, which was a late third, um, to the Cardinals for the 23rd pick. Um, so we definitely, as fans, won because after the first 10 picks, you're thinking, okay, everything's going pretty much as planned and then it all went out the window and everyone you thought was going to get traded didn't and all these players that you didn't really think were getting traded did. So it was it was a very exciting first night as well. 